What should you expect from the Seattle ground game on Sunday? Is there a new number one wide receiver for Daniel Jones? And should Jonathan Taylor and or Lamar Jackson actually be on your bench in week number nine? Plus, Bill Wonky, an or excuse me, an owner of top 10 teams in both the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship, drops in on the show to talk about Anthony Miller, managing fab budgets, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome into the show, man. How are you doing tonight? Oh, Bucky, I'm doing great. It has been a long week, but a good football week, packed with a lot of info and a lot of happenings, and I miss talking to you, so I'm glad to be back here with you on Friday night. I'm excited because, well, not only did my Green Bay Packers come away with, you know, it's it's hard Mm -hmm. to celebrate a victory when you're going up against the JV squad on Thursday night, but I'm still Mm -hmm. celebrating it nonetheless. I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and what they were doing, and excited to see the return of Aaron Jones, too. So not only were Packers fans excited to see that, Aaron Jones' owner is definitely excited to see that as well. I, um, I don't want to brag. I don't, I, this is not something I like to do on the show, but I'm going to brag tonight. So I got off to a – you actually alluded to this a few weeks ago. I got off to a slow start in Kentucky, which is in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com, which Farrell is the commissioner of. I got off to a slow start there. Um, I looked at my teams last week, and I'm in like three private leagues, and I'm going to lump those in as well when I talk about this. But last week, Farrell, I'm in 21 leagues. Last week, 17-4. and four. This week, this past week, 15-6. and six. I am white hot right now. White hot. That's, and you deserve it, and you've prepared for it. You know, this is the time of the year to get hot. So you got a lot of green and few red scores on that scoreboard. I'm happy for you, brother. How have you been doing it? Um, I don't know exactly. I think that I think <laughs> well, and we'll we'll talk with Bill Wonky a, a little bit about this. But ah, I think you know Bill. one of the things I've always I've always prided myself on when it comes to fantasy football is I feel like I always build deep teams. I feel like I I, I go uh, my yeah. team is always deeper 
than the than the majority of the teams in my league that I play against. So once the bye week gauntlet hits, I feel like I'm I'm well prepared. And I think the the last two weeks have have been pretty evident of that. You know that that I you know I, I've been scrambling just like everybody else. Everybody's dealing with COVID. Everybody's dealing with injuries. Everybody's dealing with bye weeks. But I feel like the the teams that are a little bit more prepared this year more than ever are are getting a a bigger boost. And I think that's what's happening now. That said, Farrell, this week I'll probably end up going, you know, like two and nineteen or something like that or whatever. But um, but we'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited. I'm off no. to a good start. I got a lot of Rogers and a, a lot of Devontae Adams teams. Go ahead. You will not do that because you didn't brag about it after the first week. You waited a week and settled in. You got two weeks in a row, and I don't call yourself bragging now. You're just you're just stating the facts. Unlike the uh, <laughs> unlike the injury report this week from the Green Bay Packers, we could use a little bit more legitimate injury report for those running backs as we get ready yeah, for no the Thursday night game. I I and I never understood that too because like you know I got I got this local fantasy show that I do in Northeast Wisconsin and and we're getting the injury report. Well, we're not getting the injury report, but I I have to give real real time advice on Aaron Jones. And this news is breaking from Mike Garofalo and from Ian Rappaport that Aaron Jones is expected to be active, but may not, you know, he might have his, his snaps limited or whatever. So I told everybody, mm-hmm. and I backed, I, I lived my own advice. I didn't start Aaron Jones in any of my leagues on Thursday night because I was worried about the, um, the, um, the, the role that he would play. And, uh, and then sure enough, you know, the, the Packers, who are super cautious about injuries, um, activate Aaron Jones and then let him touch the ball on the first four plays <laughs> from scrimmage and then let Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers play into the fourth quarter in a game. They're up by 24. It was driving me nuts. Yes. Watching yes. That on Thursday. I didn't understand it. Farrell. It was like the old Ford LTD. It was limited to how many they could sell. And that's exactly <laughs> what uh, Jones was. He was just limited into whatever you could call and it was it was nonsensical him to be on the field, especially when uh, the kid Urban, uh, uh, the San Jose State product, has been hanging around in the league for a while. Finally got a chance and looked good catching the ball, looked good running the ball. I would have further developed that player's skills a little bit late into that game. Uh, they you know they finally pulled Rodgers and they pulled some guys. I would have liked to let them. Uh, I would like to see them let our, our old pal from down here in Kentucky, Tim Boyle, throw the ball once, but. That yeah. didn't happen. But congratulations, your Packers a big, big game, Honky. Yeah, it was it was good and they're and they're entering into a soft part of the schedule. We'll see if they can make up some points. And anybody who owns Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and perhaps Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard coming up too, uh, I, I would think they're gonna be happy with the results going forward. Coming up on tonight's show, we're gonna talk about the Broncos that you need to start or bench this weekend. Who's the Dolphins uh, rusher, the running back, to play in week nine and a team manager of a pair of top ten teams in both the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. Bill Wonky is going to join Farrell and I to talk about his interesting approach to season-long fantasy football that is paying off big time in 2020. Give a shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFOR. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. Bill Wonky is at Bill Wonky. That's B-I-L-L-W-A-N-K-E. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFFOR. And if you want to give us a call, we always welcome phone calls. 347-426-82. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the inbox, 
football at gmail.com. We get a bunch of emails we're going to get to throughout the program tonight. If you have any last-minute questions, please send those in to us right now. We'll try to get to all those questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and, of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. One other thing I want to point out before we get going on the news tonight, uh, Stephen Rannigan uh, on the High Stakes Lowdown this week, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Got a chance to catch up with him. He's got an FFPC main event contending team. And remember, Stephen Rannigan, winner of the Fantasy Championship through My Fantasy League and RT Sports, already won a six-figure grand prize there, already won the NFFC uh, Cutline Championship last year, another six-figure grand mm-hmm. prize. This, and by the way, fourth place in the FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge last year. He might have had three six-figure prizes under his belt. As of right now, he's got two, shooting for a third one right now. Um, if you um, – Stephen Rannigan's a good guy because you don't really know a whole lot about him, but he's had a lot of success, and I think he, he brings you underneath the covers, uh, behind the curtains, as the kids say, in this podcast uh, that we did with Rotoviz. Um, that is available at rotaviz.com slash podcast as well as anywhere you get podcasts as, uh, it, uh, to, uh, to further that point as well. Stephen Rannigan, good guy, great podcast. Thanks to football guys, Draft Sharks, Roto World, and, of course, Rob, for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's talk about uh, the Niners side of things last night, Farrell. Um, we touched oh, oh before, we do, Bobby, before we do, I've got an Go email ahead. coming. Yeah. This is our first Absolutely. in-show email that I've ever had. This is fabulous. <laughs> From Javier and Fart Wayne. This is excellent. He wants to know if you will introduce uh, our guest tonight in your best imitation. I wonder if Bill knows you do these great imitations. Your best imitation of a Chris Farley voice. He wants to know. If you oh, can Chris do Farley. You know what's funny about okay? Okay, so here's here's what's funny about Chris Farley and me. Number one, I've never really done a Chris Farley impression before, but mm-hmm. I will say this. Chris Farley, like myself, is a Wisconsin guy. Everybody thinks he's from Chicago. He's not from yep. Chicago. Nope. He's actually was, was born and raised in Wisconsin, went to the um, uh, Second City. I think it was Second City, and then got his, you know, got taken off there from Lorne Michaels um, in uh, Saturday Night Live. Here's, the, here's what Chris Farley and I share in common, Farrell. When I was in high school, my senior year, I was a starting cornerback on, on my high school football team. We played – Chris Farley's high school, um, and Farley was, it was a little bit older than me, but we played Chris Farley's high school in, in football. And I was like our number one, I wasn't a shutdown corner, but I was the number one corner in our team. And I was tasked with guarding uh, this receiver from, uh, it was Madison Edgewood High School in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was tasked mm-hmm. with guarding him uh, for, the, for the duration of the game. We ended up losing that game. It was like 48-35, something like that. And the dude I was guarding um, ended up um, – he got one touchdown on me. I know that. I think he caught like five or six balls for probably about 60 or 70 yards in a touchdown. So I did okay right. against him. That guy, was named, his name was David Braun. He went on to play football D1 with the Wisconsin Badgers. So I felt like that was a win. But that is my connection to Chris Farley. Well, that's a good connection to Chris Farley. And, you know – You've got a lot of talent, Bob. It just goes to show you, you won't do a Chris Farley imitation. It's hard to be a hero in your own backyard. Chris Farley known world over, and you haven't perfected an imitation. But I digress. Javier in Fort Wayne will just have to be disappointed if you don't give it a try. But I, isn't that a great name? I, I, I just, you know, Bill right. Wonky. Isn't that a great name? I love it. I love it. Fantastic name. And, and I will do my best. I will do my best at a Chris Farley impersonation. 
um, when we bring on Bill Wonky onto the show in about four minutes here or so, uh, just to appease okay. Javier, who's a longtime listener of the show. Um, so last yeah. night, you know, we don't need to talk about, hey, you need to play Aaron Rodgers, you need to play Devontae Adams. Let's talk about the Niners side of things. Farrell, Richie James okay. came out of nowhere. Nine catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. He was on injured reserve a little less than three weeks ago, had no catches, um, and, and less than 300 career yards um, in the NFL. Now, granted, uh, Jair Alexander got hurt. Kevin King was already inactive, but he, he went off and, and, and obviously caught the touchdown as well. I'm curious, when you look forward in FFPC drafts uh, at this guy over the next couple of weeks, he's got New Orleans uh, in Week 10. Is this a guy that you would spend any money on in Fab and, and potentially start if you're in dire straits um, with, uh, with bye weeks and injuries next week? Or is this simply just one game, just ignore it and move on? Well, sure you should. You should never ignore a performance like this. Now, uh, you said Green Bay is coming up against a soft schedule. It'll be needed. Perhaps they can find a defense. But this is a good player. And, you know, I've got a little advantage over uh, geography, geographically, uh, with this player. He's a former Raider, not, uh, not, not the silver and black kind. He's a... Middle Tennessee State University Blue Raider. We know uh, we know Richie really well, and he might be the Santa Clara surprise, but Balky, he was no surprise to us. What he really does well is, is a good route runner, and he got between your uh, linebackers and your secondary, and he finds the open spaces. He's a good top-end speed guy. That's the same kind of speed you saw from Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was slow, but when he finally got to his top speed, he stayed fast and got a little faster. That's the same thing this guy does. Um, good hands. He had his opportunity to play. He'll get in some sweeps. He'll he'll, he'll do some things uh, once this team uh, returns to uh, more established names at the receiver position. But honestly, Balky, I don't know when they're going to do that. And uh, they, it right. looks like Mullins are going to go forward at quarterback with Mullins. And, and Mullins looks across the huddle. He's familiar with this guy because this guy he's been working with for two years. So I think uh, I think we're going to see more uh, out of this player. Um, news coming o- over the waiver wire, well, well, waiver wire, the NFL wire about six hours ago, roughly. Chris Carson is not going to play against the Bills this week. Neither mm. will Carlos Hyde. So it is DJ Dallas. It is Travis Homer in that Seattle backfield. And Farrell, I'm curious. Last week um, there were 63 offensive snaps for the Seattle Seahawks. DJ Dallas was in on 56 of them. Travis Homer only in seven. So I, I'm kind of curious. I know Travis Homer had the knee injury last week, and, and he was probably limited because of that. But DJ Dallas, do you got to find a way to start him uh, in, in any leagues that you own him in, given what he did last week without Hyde and without Carson active? Oh, Bucky, I don't know. This is the same coach that four and a half years ago in the Super Bowl didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line. So I don't know what he's going to do with his running backs. You know, still waters run deep, Bucky, with me. But yeah, he's got Alex Collins, the uh, uh, the Irish dancing machine, on speed dial, too. So it, it, <laughs> anything could happen in this backfield. So I, I really can't say. Um, you know, yes, there's some teams on by this week. There's just naturally plenty of injuries happening. If you have some, uh, you, you know, I, I had a Jamichael Hasty deliver me 3.3 points oh. uh, last night. So, you, you know, desperate times make desperate actions. I hope DJ Dallas is a player 
I help anyone as a player. If his name isn't Chris Carson, Carson rolled out. Uh, I'd like to line up against a team that is employing the Seahawks backfield. Bill Wonky, the uh, owner of a pair of top ten teams in the FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship, just around the corner here. One other point I want to make before we get to Bill. J.K. Dobbins, um, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens today, announced that J.K. Mm-hmm. Dobbins' role is going to, quote, evolve as the season goes on. Now, if you remember, J.K. Dobbins last week, sans Mark Ingram, uh, had his first 100-yard rushing game of his career and maybe if his role evolves into something a little bit more consistent, this dude could be a difference maker. You know, everybody talked about Jonathan Taylor potentially being a league winner this year. That, that role might go to J.K. Dobbins as far as the rookie running backs go. Farrell, as long as Mark Ingram is out, um, J.K. Dobbins is only going to increase his, uh, his um, stranglehold on that backfield with Gus Edwards. And I, I, I feel like um, Dobbins is the type of guy that when it comes down to him or a receiver – or a tight end when you're trying to figure out who to flex out. Dobbins is the type of guy that you will break ties in favor of and get his upside in the lineup. How would you handle your Dobbins teams right now? Mm, I think so. You know, you paid a dear price for Dobbins, so you're happy to hear what Greg Roman is saying. I've known Greg a long time. John Carroll College, uh, educated by the Jesuits. This is just how they talk. You know, they're – as the season, what was that quote, Balky? As the season, what moves along? What was, whatever yeah. you said, you know, he he's His always role is he's typical of as that. the season goes on. Evolve, yeah. yes. It's the, you know, it, it's it's uh, it, Greg Greg's operation is always evolving. Uh, you know, we'll see. It, it's again, there's just so much talent in that backfield with Ingram uh, ruled out. You might get a little bit more than you're counting on this weekend. But, hey, you're going up against a team. I don't know if it's going to start this weekend. If if you're going to push that 79, 80 yards a game that the Colts are giving up uh, to rushing uh, and to running backs, your, your best shot is to do it with uh, do it through Lamar Jackson this weekend. So, yeah, I, I think you've got – I think you're going to have to wait a little bit uh, longer for that Greg Roman evolution. But, boy, that – that's a hell of an education you get at John Carroll. There's a lot of John Carroll guys in the NFL, by the way. You wouldn't expect it really? in such a small school. Oh, yeah, they're they're all over. A lot of front office guys, a lot of coaching guys. Tom Telesco with the uh, with the Chargers and Nick Casario with uh, New England. Uh, it goes on and on. There's actually a um, – I shouldn't even be saying this, but I'm going to. There is um, – when, when you – so I, I already – you know, people know I live in Northeast Wisconsin. And when you go mm-hmm. to the establishments um, in the watering holes up in Northeast Wisconsin, yes. and you need to, when nature calls, you go to the urinals <laughs> in these establishments, there's usually advertisements <laughs> above these urinals. And there is a John Miller Carroll law office uh-huh. that specializes uh-huh. in DUIs and, and everything like that. And they advertise right above the urinals in, in these bars. So when you say John uh-huh. Carroll, that's immediately what I think of when I see. Um, you know, you, when I when I think about you know you know I, well, I was just watching the Packers game last night. I saw it at the establishment I was at uh, there. So John Carroll holds a special place. Not that I've ever had to use them. Hopefully, I never will. Um, but John Carroll you holds know, a special place in, as far as Northeast Wisconsin goes. That has a little Saul Goodman feel to it, you know. So that's uh, <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, yeah, yes, indeed. Saul Goodman slash uh, slash. Um, uh, 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 Bob Odenkirk 
um, on uh, on the Better Call Social. It is a fantastic show. Hope everybody's watching it. And I want to bring in tonight's guest on that note, ladies and gentlemen. This is his second season playing season-long fantasy football after playing DFS for six years. He joined the FFPC after hearing Evan Silva and Adam Levinson talk about it on the Establish the Run podcast and watching one of their live stream drafts. Last season, he played in a handful of uh, FFPC Football Guys Leagues, put a couple of groups together to enter the main event as well. Had fun, limited success, learned a bunch, and decided to run it back bigger this season. Crushing it in satellites, crushing it in the Terminator, and you can't get much bigger than also having a top 10 team in both the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. Here's where my Chris Farley impression comes in right now. He is not divorced thrice. He does not live in a van down by the river. He's here to discuss his fantasy teams and more. Please welcome on the show. My apologies. Bill Wonky. Bill, good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, you're coming in through awesome, perfectly. Yeah. This is good stuff. Um, Bill, oh, good, so, yeah. I'm, so, I'm excited to be here. We um we want to get into um uh, obviously the uh, the fantasy football portion because I think anybody who is you know in his second year of playing season long and to have a top ten team in both the FPC and the FFPC main event everybody wants us to pick your brain which we're going to do. You mm-hmm. are retired um and uh, I want to I want you to tell the listeners what you did for a living prior to your retirement before we get into fantasy football. Yeah sure. So I was an executive at a software professional services company for about 35 years, got to work with a lot of really smart and talented people. Uh, we were in telecommunications, so it kind of helped to put together the efficient and robust network we've got today. Um, by training, I'm a computer science and applied math guy. And uh, now that I'm retired, I indulge my hobbies. So I get to coach some ice hockey, <laughs> I play guitar, I got a, a, a temporary gig in a bar band, I play poker, and now I'm playing fantasy football. Poker, hockey, you are fantasy, living the football. Life, yes. Yeah, pretty much living the dream, I have to admit. You're right. You know, I never um, – I, I dabble in – well, hockey is the one thing I've never – you know, I, I hockey is not big in northeast Wisconsin. I mean, there's, there's some people who get into it, but here it's all about, you know, basketball and football for sure. Um, but Farrell, a guitar player, I know you're a fan of that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, playing in a bar band is, is just a huge – that's just a huge gift because is it a weekly gig, Bill? So it was for a while. Like you know, COVID has kind of put an end to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it was for a while. It was. It was, and it was great. Like I got to play with a great bunch of guys, and they tolerated my not so great play. So it was pretty good. You know, and people come out to see you, and uh, you know, you, you develop this relationship with the regulars. Having a standing gig and a night in a venue is 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 why you pick up a guitar in the first place. So good for you, brother. Now, what, repeat that math. Repeat that math background that you have real quickly for me. Oh, yeah. So I'm, uh, so study computer science and applied math. Applied math. You know, that's yeah. We that's just, what, uh, this is the first competitor in the bulky that, that, that all of them have impressed me. This is the first one that would leave me trembling in my boots. Applied math. <laughs> <laughs> Not... This is just gets worse every year, I tell you, with this competition. But, yeah, good job. Good job. Well, you know, Balky teased the fact to us earlier that you have a unique approach 
with how you go about your season-long fantasy football. So tell us a little bit about that. I think everybody that we've had on the show has had their own unique approach, but Balky's expressly talked about it tonight. So you must have something going on. Obviously, you're unique in the fact you're leading in the top ten, at least, in both contests, and that's a great honor. Big congratulations. What's Balky talking about? about uh, the uniqueness of your approach. Yeah, so uh, if it's unique, it's probably because I came to it as like a guy who thinks about games as opposed to a football guy. So probably disappointing to the people listening is I really don't know much about the game of real-life football. So if you guys wanted Mm -hmm. to ask me about, like, the difference between cover two and cover zero, I couldn't help you. Like, if you want to know the root trees of, like, an X receiver versus a a Z receiver, like, yeah, I can't help you with that either. So to me, I kind of came to this as it's a game, and I tried to understand what the game is about and, you know, try to model it. Like you look at the math, and there's an inherent model for the game. And then since it's a multi-person game, there's going to be game theory aspects that apply to the game. And so I kind of concerned myself with those things. So for me, a lot of what I'm worrying about is um, projections and then the underlying components of those projections you know, things that are generating on utilization, like what kind of snaps are guys getting, routes they're running, target shares, air yards, that kind of stuff, stuff you've heard about. Like, I'm really focused on that kind of stuff and then what the trends are in that. I don't really, you know, think about much about, you know, is Darrell Henderson a better back than Malcolm Brown and, like, why isn't he getting more touches? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm never going to be on the hashtag free Aaron Jones threat. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know those things. I don't think about them. And so I'm really just worrying about, what do the projections look like, and do I have quality projections, and, you know, how can those help me? How much football do you so watch Bill, on Sunday? Um, I, you know, so I watch – I'm a red zone guy. So, you know, uh-huh. I turn on the red zone, and I am there all day. I don't leave it. I love watching it. You know, it's not that I'm not a fan of football, but I'm more kind of like a – I enjoy the spectacle of it, and I, I've never really got into, uh, you know, I played a couple of years of Pop Warner in elementary school and I was a good athlete. So I could play wide receiver and cover corner in a touch game, but that's about it. Gotcha. So Bill, this is, this is what I wanted to, I, I, I sort of want to center this on, and this is what I really want to drive home to our listeners. Um, a lot of times myself included, I'm totally guilty of this. A lot of times people um, maybe overrate talent and, and they see, you, you brought up Aaron Jones, which is the example mm-hmm. I'm going to use. People look at the Green Bay Packers backfield, and they're like, Aaron Jones is clearly the most talented guy there. Why are they not giving him the ball more? Why are they not letting him make plays when the guys behind him, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, whatever, um, are not proven playmakers, you know? And, and so for you, you, you kind of eliminate that whole aspect of it. You don't look at what guys could be assuming rational coaching. You don't look at what guys could be putting up their production, what it could be. You look at what teams are actually doing, what these players are actually, how they're actually performing on the field and the numbers they're actually putting up. That is your center sort of, um, in my opinion, that's what your center difference is really in, in between how you treat season long fantasy football and how a lot of other people do it. Right. Yeah, Bulky, you're just – that's exactly spot on, right? I, I don't try to think about, like, what coaches should be doing. I'm really just more focused about what they are doing. Like, I am interested if they might change what they're going to do and, you know, and if they do change it, what the implications of that would be. But, like, kind of wishing and hoping that, like, somehow 
you know, Aaron Jones is going to start getting like Zeke-like or CMC-like, you know, touch counts, it's like it's not going to happen. And so, you know, if you drafted him in the early second round hoping that this was going to be the year that they freed Aaron Jones, you made a mistake. If you took him in the late second <laughs> thinking that what you, were, what you were going to get was a 60 or 60% back with really efficient and a high-value offense, then you made a fine, fine choice. So, um, you know, th- this is – you. go ahead, Farrell. Well, no, Bucky, finish up your thought because I like where you're going with that, so stay with it. Well, what I wanted to ask you, uh, Bill, because it, and this is we haven't had this a whole lot uh, in recent years, but this year it seems like we've had a, a bunch of people who don't have a ton of experience at the high-stakes FFPC level, um, and then they come in and they're wrecking stuff. And I think Bill is one of those guys who's doing that. This right. is your second year playing season-long fantasy football with the FFPC. You said you learned some pretty important things in, in your first year last year. What were some of the most significant things – that you think has, have helped buoy you to success in year two? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So as I went through the year last year, I found myself faced with a lot of decisions that I didn't know the answer to. But more importantly than that, I didn't even have a framework for figuring out the answer. And, like, and, and for an analytics guy, that's kind of disconcerting, right? It's one thing not to know, that's fine. You can go you know, get a process and go figure it out. I didn't even know how to approach it. And so I kind of spent last season stockpiling those questions and trying to figure out, like, here's the things I don't even conceptually understand. And then after the season was over, then I looked and tried to figure out, like, answers to those things. And it was really – most of them fell into the two categories. The first was roster construction. Like, I didn't even understand the basics. You know, like, what, how, many skill, how many skill position players do I want at each position? Like, is that a static type thing or is it dynamic based on the skill level I have and the kind of the draft I used or the guys I picked up on the wire? You know, should I be worried about correlation? Like, do I want it or I don't? Like, do I want volatility or I don't? Like, so there were, like, lots and lots of questions about that that I didn't know the answers to. And I spent – off season trying to go find them. And God bless, there are a lot of really smart guys who did a lot of really good analytics work. And the answers for a lot of them were out there. And so I was just, you know, I didn't need to invent the wheel here. It's like I went out there and found that the wheel was there and just started grabbing it. And then for the ones that people didn't answer, they left like good thoughts about how maybe to think about the problem. And so I spent my time doing that. So showing up this year, at draft season, I was, like, much better prepared about what I wanted out of my rosters, how to construct them, um, how to deal with the fact that, you know, there are 11 other guys trying to figure out their roster and how to adapt to that. So a big chunk was roster construction of, of what I learned. That's and, great. And, Farrell, I, I, I know you want to ask uh, the next question about, uh, about the Bears, but the great thing about not inventing the wheel when, when you discover the wheel, that wheel always has spokes that you can grab onto and sort of move with the flow of information, which is clearly what Bill did here um, with, you know, in, in his second year of fantasy football with the FFPC. Yeah, that was yeah, a beautiful. You know, you can, I, had a, I had an illustrator in my mind the whole time you were saying that. That was, that was beautiful. Good job. Thank but, you, you know, so much. I, yeah. I'm feeling, I, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling a little full of myself this uh, with this question. Bill, because you and I did the same thing this past week. We went out and we picked out uh, off the free agent wire, uh, wide receiver, Chicago Bears, Darnell Mooney. Now, I know why I picked him. And um, 
I, I, I'm i going to tell you exactly why I picked him. I watched him in college. I thought he was a good draft pick. Uh, being in the fifth round, I thought the Bears really got on a bark, and I thought they should put him on the – I thought they should put him on the field quicker than he actually did. We just talked about, uh, before you joined us, uh, Richie James, a guy with high top-end speed. This guy, uh, Darnell, is, is significantly faster and ran it at the combine. They, a great kid out of Tulane. These are the reasons that I thought he would be successful in the NFL. And we need that kind of player in Chicago uh, that that is not going to – it's not going to get all down in the mouth when the ball uh, doesn't get directed to him or is an uncatchable pass from one of the two quarterbacks. So that's the reason that I put him on my roster. No mathematics involved at all. Now, please tell me why you picked this player to put on your roster. Sure. And, you know, and I think the good thing, Farrell, is like um, when you talk about your way to find them, and I talk about my way to find them, it's going to tell people that, like, hey, look, there are multiple ways to play the game. And, there are multiple ways to play guys. the game, Bill, but right. you're the only one that has two teams in the top ten. <laughs> one with the league with, one with, right. one with so, a league of 2,500-plus players and one with a league of 10,000-plus players. And, um, so, you know, you were talking about correlation, and I was writing down the name correlation. I thought I missed another player or something. I didn't know. You know, no, I'm, I'm trying to keep up here. So go ahead, Bill. So here's what were you thinking? So about? here's how I found Darnell, right? So um, um, did well at the combine, right? He's above above um, athletic, above athletically, right? So if you go out to three sigma, you'll see that he's like a good half standard deviation, better than your average NFL receiver. He's got like three, you know, he's got like four threes. 40 speed. And, but more importantly to me was he found his way onto the field as a rookie in a year when there were no OTAs, there were no preseason games. And yet somehow he was on the field and he wasn't just doing cardio. He was getting targets, right? So here was a guy, the coaches were clearly like taking a shining to like, they liked the guy, they put him on the field, they were giving him action. And then every week he was getting more, he was getting more snaps. He was running more routes he was seeing more targets. He was getting more air yards. So by the time week four rolls around, he's actually getting a pretty good, like pretty good workload. And so I was starting to look to grab him. And then when I do grab him now, you know, now he's basically, he's, he's the number two wide receiver. He's the other like uh, outside receiver. He's getting full snaps, full routes, and he's getting a good target share. So for me, you know, he's a kind of checks all the boxes for a good stash who I can, who I, can use come like flex time. If like I need him for, you know, buys or injuries, you know, he's a guy who's probably going to project out 11, maybe 11 and a half fantasy points. And in a good matchup, maybe he's going to do better than that. Talking to Bill Wonky, a owner of both uh, FFPC main event and football guys, players championship, top 10 teams heading into week nine here. And, and Bill, we, we talked about your philosophy on, on drafting and managing season long uh, fantasy football teams here. Um, one of the things that you had centered on on your teams this year, a lot of Russell Wilson, a lot of Tyler Lockett stacks. And I'm curious what you saw in the preseason, uh, in drafting season, while you tried to get as many of those stacks on your teams as possible. Yeah, uh, good question. Like, so two big things. The one was, to, to your question about the, the, the Russ and Tyler stacks, so I concluded based on all the stuff that I found out there that, you know, yes, indeed, correlation was important and you need to correlate. So I was stacking everywhere I went. So, you know, so if, if I had Russ, 
I either had DK or I had Tylock, right? If I had Dak, I had Cooper, I had CD, I had Gallup, right? So, you know, that was kind of like a fundamental for me. So, you know, if I had Russ, Tylock was probably going to be there unless I caught DK. So mm-hmm. that was kind of number one. Number two for me was the roster construction quarterback-wise I wanted. Like, I wasn't going to get Mahomes and Lamar. They, you know, great guys, great players. would wish they were on my teams, but they were going like in the second and third. And, the, and the, the opportunity cost of the wide receivers you could grab in the second or third was just too high relative to the quarterbacks you could get in the seventh. So for me, my target quarterbacks were Dak, Russ, Kyler, and, and Watson. Like, so those were the guys I was looking to get, and I was kind of pre-stacking those wide receivers in rounds two through six, and then I was grabbing one of those guys in the seventh. So that was kind of basically my MO. And for whatever reason – you know, the community at large, like, preferred Kyler and Watson typically over, over Russ. And so I got Russ a lot more than I got these other guys. But um, for me, I was happy to get them. And especially at the end of the season, um, I'm not, as you know, I said earlier, I'm not a narrative guy, right? But Russ, the way he was being drafted, and Tyler, the way they'd being drafted, was basically off of last year's performance. So if Pete Carroll stayed Neanderthal and was continuing to run the ball for three quarters – you were, you, those were the projections you were running off of. So that would have been fine. They were, they were at value. Um, you know, the whole Russ Cook thing was to me just like a bit until Russ tweeted it. <laughs> Once Russ tweeted it, he's not the <laughs> kind of guy who's going to go off the reservation and try to go social media his coach, right? Like that's not Russ. So mm-hmm. when Russ started tweeting it, I was thinking, yeah, this isn't something he's trying to instigate. This is something they've decided. So then I was much, you know, then I was grabbing – Literally, my standard draft come the Labor Day weekend was Tyler in the fifth, Fuller in the sixth, and then Russ or Watson, whoever came to me in the seventh. Like, that was going to be my Labor Day draft. That pretty right. much everyone I got nice. took that form. Those are all players that, that, that everybody's targeting, everybody would like to have. You went about it in, in a wonderful way, and, and you kept hitting them. So were, were there any other players outside of the stack – that maybe even that had double-digit draft positions, that you made sure that, that you targeted every draft, that you could see this deviation from uh, from the standard and, and that you wanted to add those guys to your to your roster? Yeah, so, early, um, so most of my draft constructions were either zero RB or anchor RB. So most of them were that way. So the guys that, like, I was looking – I was looking for running backs in like rounds eight through 12. So that was where I was kind of loading up on running backs. So the guys that I loaded up on were like Chase Edmonds, um, Antonio Gibson, Zach Moss. And in the, you guys remember in the early part of the draft season, those guys were going in the 10th to 12th. So I was loading up on those guys. You know, I was picking up Boston Scott, like, you know, you could, you could get Latavius. Like, so all those guys were guys I was loading up on. Um, And, you know, in varying degrees, they've either paid off pretty well or are planning to pay off pretty well going forward. So um, I had a ton of those guys. The other thing I had was um, I didn't have many complete fades, but I did have like just total fades on a few guys. And, and one was Leonard Fournette. And then, mm-hmm. you know, because I was fading Leonard Fournette and because Reichwell Armstead was out, like, you know, my parting gift to myself usually was like, you know, Divino Zigbo. So I was getting Divino Zigbo yeah. thinking that he, he was the guy that was going to be the back that they were looking at. 
And then, of course, you know, come the last week of the season, we come to find out, like, no, it's James Robinson. So I switched up and I started grabbing James Robinson. And then for teams that drafted before that news, the first week of the wire, I went out and just smashed to, to go get James Robinson. Talking with uh, Bill Wonky, uh, owner of uh, top 10 teams of both the FPC and the FFPC main event. So I want to um, bring this to your attention as, Bill, I'm, I'm sure you already know this, but since Sterling Shepard has come back uh, basically after a month on IR, he got in his first game back eight targets for 59 yards. Last week, 10 targets for 74 yards. In comparison, Darius Slayton on the same team, three targets, uh, for for 23 yards and nine targets, and he turns it into 56 yards. Has Daniel Jones chosen Sterling Shepard as his number one receiver um, uh, for the Giants? And as a second part to that, how significant is that as far as high-stakes fantasy football teams go? Um, because sometimes you could be the number one target in your team. You're not still not that relevant. How relevant is Sterling Shepard when we get down to setting our lineups in these high-stakes leagues? Yeah, so, um, you know, good question about the utilization of those two guys. I Personally, I think the utilization doesn't say there's, like, a choice, that, like, you know, he, he's going to be hitting Shepard. To me, it's more like it's a 1A, 1B thing, and it's going to be, you know, in any particular game, it's going to be either Shepard's going to catch or, or Slayton's going to catch. And, you know, you're not going to know, like, at least I'm not going to know, right, because I'm not a football guy. I'm not going to know which it is a priori. But I think what you're going to find is, you know, the routes that Shepard run are going to be higher, um, higher efficiency runs. So he's going to be more consistent. But Slayton is just going to absolutely, you know, smash a couple weeks. And, you know, if you can deal with the volatility, I, and like for me, in like in our format, like where you get to the tournament, I'd rather have Slayton. But I don't. I have Shepard. <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping Shepard pans out. But if, 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 some, you know, if there was trading and somebody said, hey, do you want to swap them up, I would swap an heartbeat. Everyone that we've talked to uh, is, are swapping their rosters uh, for players. They're going on the waiver wire. And, and guys that are new to the league, that's been the hurdle that they've had to overcome is, is getting comfortable and getting familiar with how they should act in that waiver wire. Now, that, you know, that's, that's – uh, the bidding and the mathematics behind that. I'll be fascinating to know how you extend your mathematical skills to that. And do you have any interesting stories about how you came up with the, either the perfect number to acquire the player with the best bargain, or did your did your math fail you like it does all of us from time to time, and you overpay for a player, significantly overpay for a player, and wonder why everyone else didn't see what you see? So, Farrell, that's like that's great because that was like last year's agony, right? You know, every waiver wire decision just seemed to be a botch to me, and like that was that's, that was kind of like category two of the things I took away from last year. And for me, though, the reality was when I went out to go see, was there any good information out there? The reality was there was not. There were a couple yeah. of of like things I took away, but I think most people are struggling, even guys who are good at analytics, like, you know, you can watch some of the live streams of guys on, uh, on waiver night and yeah, they're botching it too. So, you know, and, and these are guys who are good, you know, good football guys, good analytics guys, but they're botching the waiver wire too. So for me, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the guys that I want and I'm coming up with an expectation of like what they're, they're worth to me. And it's fundamentally like um, a measure of expected points added to my roster. And then I can value that 
and then so I'll know what it's worth to me, and then I can kind of go out to see if I can pay less for it. And, and you know, go out to look at historical comps about what the pricing might be for guys who fit that profile. Um, you know, as, as we are in this point in the league, you can go look at your own league now and see what guys have left, what they need, et cetera, et cetera. So you can try to figure out the price there. Um, but, like, maybe one really good story here was, like, on week one when I went to go get James Robinson, right? I ended up, like, pricing him differently across all my teams. So for my zero RB teams, like – that's the key component that you've got to fix in your, in your, right. your build. Yeah. So I went hard for him. Like modified RB teams where I was in pretty good shape, like I bid moderately. In a couple teams where I was really strong, I, I just put in a token bid in like in case everybody was asleep. So on my, on, on my main event team that we're talking about, I bid like I got James Rams for like 227, right? And the next highest bid was 67. I felt fine with that because sure. that was a good bid for me. Like, that was good value for me. On my other team, like the, the, other, the, the football guys team, I bid 127 and got him. And then on another football guys team, I bid 13 bucks and got him. And I feel no. equally oh. good about all three. Exactly, yeah. I feel equally good about all three, though, because they were valued right for me. And then, of course, you know, in go Kentucky, we would no, uh, call that. that a trifecta, brother. You know, oh, yeah. but, I, but I missed on some. But to your point, though, Farrell, like there were some that I didn't get, right? Like there were some where I got outbid, but I was okay with that too because I bid what I thought was a good value for my roster, and and it made sense to me. So if I got them, I got them. If I didn't, I didn't. You know, and and I think that's good advice. Maybe not necessarily at this point in the season, but for sure at the at the oh. start of the, the onset of the season. Like you know, all you know, just because you're drafting. Um, all these teams, just because you, you are drafting them, doesn't mean they're all created equal. They all have their strengths, they all have their weaknesses, and you have to craft your waiver wire budget around that, which I think you did very, yeah. very well there, Bill. Uh, no question as far as at least the James Robinson aspect goes. Um, we, have, we, we do have time for one email. I know Farrell has one more question for you, but I do have an email here that came in from Pat in Chicago. He says, having a tough time figuring things out in my football guys league this week. Do I flex out TJ Hawkinson over Deontay Johnson? Congrats on your success this season. That is from Pat in Chicago. Pat, thank you so much for the email. We certainly appreciate it. So there's a couple of um, moving pieces here in this. Um, TJ Hawkinson is in Minnesota as a five-point underdog, um, but maybe with not Matthew Stafford throwing to him. Could be Chase Daniel. We'll see how these COVID tests um, go over the next couple of days uh, in regards to Hawkinson. And then Deontay Johnson, who's had flashes of brilliance this year, um, but he's also had flashes of, of taking a back seat to not only Juju Smith-Schuster, but Chase Claypool as well. The Steelers go into Dallas this week as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Would you be starting Hawkinson over Deontay Johnson this week with all those, um, all those aspects to consider there, Bill? So... Um... This is going to really disappoint the the listener. So here's what I would do. I would go and I would go to my uh, places where I get my um, projections. And so while you were talking, I did that. They project the same. <laughs> so you are basically flipping a coin. And And so, like, when I have to flip a coin, then the thing I'm going to look at is, you know, what do I need for this week? Like, 
am I looking more for floor or am I looking more for upside? And, you know, that, that might. And when push comes to shove and, I, and none of that answers, go with the higher total. So the, the, the higher side total that you have, like gives you a little bit more touchdown equity, if there's likely to be a little bit of upside, I'll always side with that. Um, but I'm going to go to the projections. And I have no reason to believe that the ones I just looked at, like for those two players, won't be reasonable, right? Like sometimes projections can suck because, you know, like last night's game, nobody knew who was getting the touches in the San Francisco back, backfield. Like people were just literally wild-ass guessing. But these projections for like, you know, Deontay Johnson, like they're fine. The thing with Hawkinson is you got to question whether Stafford's playing on, on Sunday or not, right? So right. you do have that issue. So I might be like leaning more towards, you know, like, okay, I'm looking. Deontay Johnson is like projecting around 12 and a half. Like, you know, that's probably legit. The Hawkinson one, I don't know. Like, so, yeah, I, I guess I, in this case, I decide <laughs> with, like, Deontay Johnson. You know, a Farrell, question, uh, that, one last, go ahead. Well, yeah, the question that we always love, that I always love to ask, I'm sorry, Bonky, if I, if I knocked out That's your right. last question, but th- this is this is always the hardest question. We had a guy on, uh, oh, goodness, I can't remember his name. I wish I'd written it down. But he did an excellent job of picking the bust of the week would be Rams quarterback Goff, who did go to Miami, did face a cover zero, and acted like he had never seen it before. Now, I want to ask you, and 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 it will be – I wonder how you'll get to your answer. So here comes the questions quickly. I would need a bust for this week, a week nine bust. He can be an excellent player. He's just going to bust this week. And then I need a sleeper, and he can be a kind of sleeper that everybody knows about but he's the kind of guy that you would never maybe think of playing that you should play this week. Bust and sleeper for week nine from Bill. All right, so, Farrell, like, you, you knew I wasn't going to give you just, like, a simple answer for this, right? So, to me, oh, yeah, yeah. when That's you look at the, the bust and sleeper thing, it, it has to do with relative to expectations and what you're looking at, right? So, you know, if you're thinking about a flex option, I'd be looking and saying, okay, you know, in some of, most of my teams, my flexes are actually really strong because where I have to cobble together things is at RB. So mostly my flexes are really good. So I never really have that problem that often. But in this case, you know, a couple I do. And, you know, so guys we were talking about before, like Mike Mooney, you know, he's projecting like 10 and a half. So, so he's projecting a little bit better than in, in my models than he shows up on the FFPC site models. And I believe it. And, and I believe that he's going to project better than that. And partly I'm projecting better than that because the game's going to pace up. Like that game should have more plays in it than typical. And when you look at the prop total for Foles, his, his completion total prop is like 24 and a half. So, you know, generally the Vegas boys are like, they've got better models than everybody else, or at least most things they do, maybe not the props, but at 24 and a half, like, there's going to be a lot of guys catching balls. That's a lot of PPR points going to float around. So if you're looking for a guy who you need to put up like 11 points, I think, you know, Mooney's like a good one. Like that's a perfectly reasonable one for me. Um, on the bus side, again, it's relative. Like um, for me, the guy who scares me most is Marvin Jones. And he scared me before mm. the Stafford news. So he scared me before the Stafford news. And the reason is because the projections are showing him really hot. Like he's running between like 20. 12 and a half and 15. And, and a lot of that is because the projection guys had to move the share off of Galladay. And so they don't know what to do with it. And so the most logical thing to do is to move it to Marvin Jones. 
but the experience has been when Galladay's out, Jones doesn't see it because the, the defensive coordinators roll coverage to Jones. And so then, like, Jones isn't dealing with the second-best set of coverage. He's dealing with the primary cover guys, and then it's a different issue. So, you know, at, if, you know if you're rolling out Marvin Jones thinking you're getting, like, 14 or 15 points out of him, yeah, to me, that's a fade because I think he's going to project in – should be projected more like 11.5 or 12. A guy we're projecting maximum points for is, is Bill Wonky this week. Bill, who, who um, co-owns several teams um, and has a team in the Football Guys Players Championship and in the FFPC main event in the top ten of each of those contests. Going into week nine, that is an incredible feat, especially when you consider this is your second year playing. Bill, congratulations not only to you. I know you own some of these teams with your sons. You own some of these teams – co-own some of these teams with your buddies. Um, truly a magnificent feat, and uh, I, I expect you guys to keep going down that road based on um, su- such good analysis tonight. Uh, we always like to, to hear um, different viewpoints on this show, and I think we got a big one tonight um, looking at things uh, a different way for all of our teams. I certainly appreciate you coming on. I certainly wish you all the best of luck going forward, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. You never know. Maybe you'll end up cashing a couple of six-figure grand prizes this year, the way things are going for you, man. That would be awesome. I'd love to be talking to you guys again. Hey, thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. Bill Wonky, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter, at Bill Wonky, and uh, you can follow his team on the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship leaderboards uh, going forward at myffpc.com. Farrell, I don't know about you, but it's always refreshing to hear – uh, an analytical view, um, a, a viewpoint that not doesn't necessarily take in the eye test into it. Because I think you and I, we, we sort of blend these, these things together, the eye test, analytics. And for Bill, it's, it's all analytics, and it seems to be working out for him so far. Uh, you know, Balky, we made a real error in production of this show because this should be a two-part show. This should be, you know, yeah. one and two because this uh, – it's just fascinating to see how Bill's mind worked. And occasionally by accident, I do some of the same things, <laughs> but I, you know, it, it, uh, and it, it's interesting in who he brought up as his uh, bust of the week. And right. mine is not as well thought out. I, I go back to, uh, um, I, I just go back to football instincts that make me think that, and Marvin Jones is going to struggle this week. And, you know, so I get to the same place, but I tell you what, I would much rather bank on the intellect behind his decisions than the gut feelings of mine. Yeah, yeah I'm the same way. Anytime we have guests on this show, I always check to their, to their line of thinking before mine. And, and more often than not, it has led me to victory, not astray. Um, speaking of which, let's try to lead some listeners to victory here tonight. We got a few minutes left in the show. We'll try to get to maybe two or three of these emails, Farrell. The first one is from Jim in Houston. He writes, if Devontae Freeman and Matt Breida can't go this weekend, do Wayne Gallman or Jordan Howard make for acceptable flexes? So since Jim, by the way, thank you for the email, Jim. Since he has written this email, Devontae Freeman and Matt Breida have both been declared out, uh, this weekend. So I, I'm starting Wayne Gallman in the league. I feel okay about it. I don't have Jordan Howard in any leagues. Um, Patrick Laird is another guy that, that I'd be interested in, especially in PPR leagues like the FFPC, like the KFFSC. Um, I don't know how you feel about the Dolphins running back situation, but I feel okay about Wayne Gallman as a flex. 
I feel okay about Wayne Gallman. You know, Sean Ligon, uh, who I have always done some some great fantasy work with in the KFFSC, he's a big Gallman believer, and he should be. And I, I think Gallman deserves uh, an opportunity uh, in uh, with the Giants and in your fantasy lineup. I I don't think at this point any Dolphin is startable. Uh, they're going to roll the quarterback hmm. out and get him to where he can uh, to see what he can do in space. Uh, this is a team that's going to win on defense and their own type of offense. I just don't know what that offense is. You know, the FFPC, the beauty of the dual flex, that means you can flex once and then flex again. Go flex a little <laughs> bit and try to find you something better than Howard. Yeah, I don't like Jordan Howard. I mean, he, you know, I, I'd be, I don't own Laird anywhere either, but I'd be much more likely to start Laird over Howard this week. You've got to be super desperate. And I get it. There's a lot of – you know, Miles Sanders is on a bye, and, and Daryl Henderson mm-hmm. is on a bye. There's a ton of guys on buys this week, but hopefully you can do better than that. All right, uh, Terry in Magazine, Arkansas. Never been there before. Dear Marcus and Melvin, I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor, but should I start Ronald Jones over him this week? I got to start getting these lineup decisions right. Appreciate you. Thank you for the email, Terry in Magazine, Arkansas. So, Farrell, I, I guess the, the first thing I want to ask you, what happened to Jonathan Taylor this week? Um, are we considering him maybe as a potential bust, given what Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines were able to do? Um, or, or do you think that, that ankle injury that Frank Reich said uh, Jonathan Taylor's dealing with, do you think that's legitimate and, and Taylor's going to right the ship here? Mm, and there's no way to right the ship against the Ravens when you're hurting and sharing backfield snaps. Uh, with Hines and Wilkins and the, uh, uh, the the difficulty that are going to be caused to the quarterback position. This is a, this is not a good game uh, for Jonathan Taylor. Everything's trending downward, and now he's, uh, he's lining up against the Baltimore Ravens, a defense that is going to step up, a game that means a lot. Uh, the other player is Ronald Jones, uh, Fournette, 51. Uh, snaps in the last game, Ronald Jones, 17. These are not good choices. Um, Ronald Jones, <laughs> perhaps with the goal line work. It's hard to get a lineup right with these two players. Um, yeah, but I, I guess I am going to lean uh, towards Ronald Jones. I don't think game script in either place uh, is great for either of these running backs, but Jones, uh, Jones will be the guy I'll go with here. For what it's worth, to your point, the Buccaneers are at home and they are four-and-a-half-point favorites, which usually favors the uh, run game. Jonathan Taylor um, is a one-point favorite, um, but that's against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Total of 48 on that game, too. So we'll see how it plays. I think I'm leaning the same way as you, man. I, I think I'd play Jones over Taylor, but tempering my expectations in both scenarios. Let's fire away two more. Um, John and Elko, Nevada. Hey, guys, let's light this candle for the first time in a while. Antonio Brown in his first week back or go with Sterling Shepard instead. That is John in Elko, uh, Nevada. Excuse me. Uh, thank you for the email, John. So we just talked about this a little bit. Sunday night football. It's the Bucks. It's the Saints um, in Tampa for Antonio Brown. It sounds like Chris Godwin is going to play if we are to believe Bruce Arians and what he said today. Uh, Sterling Shepard, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about with Bill Wonky. Uh, Sterling Shepard is at Washington um, in a game that they are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, 42-and-a-half on the total in that. Farrell, which way are you leaning here, Antonio Brown or Sterling Shepard? 
this is easy. Sterling Shepard is going to is going to score his uh, 12 to 14 points. I'd be curious what Bill's model says to it, but I know the 12 or 14, 15 points that's going to get you to be the fourth place uh, qualifier, the fourth seed. That would be it, the fourth seed in the FFPC league. Uh, we call it divisions in Kentucky. Either way, you'll be the last guy to make the playoffs uh, playing Sterling Shepard. Now, if you have Antonio Brown on your roster. You you drafted him somewhere along the line. Somebody might have made a mistake if they did draft him and drop him. You picked him up. You've been waiting. This is your golden moment that you've been dreaming of. Uh, uh, don't let uh, don't let Sterling Shepard or any other middling uh, fantasy production wide receiver come in and and interrupt that dream like a shrill alarm clock. You've uh, this is the moment, and it doesn't matter necessarily how many snaps. I may have downplayed um, what I thought made me sound real smart. I don't know after listening to Bill, but I, I went back to see <laughs> what Brown and Brady did. You know, this is my idea of smart mathematics, but I, I went back to see what they did when they played previously in um, in New England, and, and he was uh, – Brown was on the field for 23 snaps, and, and – Brady threw him the ball eight times. Now, there's a, there's a lot more targets that we have down here, but they're all all pros and, uh, you know, at every position, including the tight end. This is just a fascinating game. But for all these reasons, Antonio Brown is your start. We can say New Orleans is, is 17th against the pass. What do they want to do? They want to bring pressure. And um, pressure demands that you get the ball away quicker. And Antonio Brown uh, can deliver at all places on the field. You know, what's going to blow fantasy players' minds is all these guys that made the mistake of dropping uh, Scotty Miller. What's going to blow their minds is when shortly after the game starts and you see Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown on the field at the same time. And everybody's everybody's just going to go crazy over that. Um, people want to talk about Lattimore and Jenkins, the first game of the season. A lot has happened since then. Uh, Lattimore, uh, old pal Charlie Castley calls him a long strider. Long striders can cover ground quickly in the secondary. That leads to interceptions. But what they can't do is change directions quickly. And that's what Brown and Scotty Miller can achieve. It's great matchup football. Think about the matchups of who's going to play against who. And watch Marcus Williams, number 43, uh, for the New Orleans Saints, who is listed as a safety, but he's more or less an escort for the, for the other team's wide receivers. He runs along uh, and, and shows them the way to the end zone. It's a fascinating aspect that this guy continues to be, uh, uh, to be an NFL starting safety. I suppose it's because if they can deliver the pass rush, uh, that he's good in getting to the ball or getting to a secondary underneath receiver that catches it. So that's a long-ass answer to your question, Balky. There's a lot of things going on there. Uh, Antonio Brown's uh, return to football, I'm rooting for him. And uh, if you've got him on your team, you, you should find a way to get him in the line. Yeah, in-depth, really good stuff when it comes down to, um, you know, all the individual working pieces of the New Orleans secondary, too. That is good stuff there, Farrell, and, and I certainly appreciate it. I'm leaning towards that, too, as well. You know, the thing is, is and this is the, the lazy analysis on it, um, 
people would say, well, you know, if, if you're a big underdog, shoot for the moon and start Antonio Brown. Um, if you feel like you got a good chance and you just need the points, then take Sterling Shepard. Well, I get that, but at the same time, you know, if you're playing in the FFPC main event or the Football Guys Players Championship, aren't you almost always a huge underdog? You're always trying to pile up those points, and I think Antonio Brown could help you pile up the points there uh, as well. You know, he's been living with Tom Brady, um, working out All with right. him for the last few weeks. I think there's a lot to be said for Antonio Brown in Week 9. Uh, final email well, he, I want to get to. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, Farrell. No, oh, I just had an off-the-cuff comment. I'm, I'm thinking about all the skills, of, of all of Bill's skills that he brought to the show tonight. It, it, it just, yes, take a swing in for it. Think, uh, I wonder if Bill can play a little bit of Tom Petty's uh, uh, swinging. That's a, that's a great uh, that's, that's a great tune off the Echo album from 1999, Bucky. Look that one up. You go ahead and put Brown or any player like him in your lineup, then listen to that song, and you'll be glad you did. You know what's funny about that is actually if you if you um, if you go to Bill's Facebook page, his personal Facebook page, he was sitting like like row three or four to a Tom Petty concert in 2017, um, shortly before you know when Petty died, 2018, 2019, or whatever it was. So one of his last few concerts, and I know Bill's a fan too. So it's weird that you bring up Tom Petty. I'm a big Tom Petty fan. I always have been a huge Tom Petty fan. Uh, as well, so I, I will definitely um, uh, listen. Give that listen, uh, that album a listen once again. Um, I do want to get to one final email tonight before we sign off because I think it's an important one and it's a decision that's facing a lot of fantasy owners this week, especially in the FFPC. Uh, this is, comes from Tony in Omaha. Should I do the previously unthinkable and bench Lamar Jackson in favor of Justin Herbert this week? Lamar Jackson on the road. In Indianapolis, as a one-point dog, Farrell Justin Herbert is at home as a one-point favorite against your Las Vegas Raiders. What would you do if you own both these guys? Would you still go with the chalk and start Lamar Jackson, or would you roll the dice and start Justin Herbert? Always listen to your numbers and admit you were wrong. You shouldn't have drafted Lamar Jackson in the second round, but you were smart (laughs) enough to somehow get your hands on Justin Herbert. So you now have got to flip the roster. You can't redraft it, but you can play it and make the right play. Justin Herbert, four ball games right around 300 yards out of his last four. The Raiders are not going to do anything to stop that. The Raiders are going to do one thing to help Justin. They're actually going to put some points on the board. Uh, you know, this kid's got Williams and Keenan Allen. Uh, people are talking about uh, Hunter Henry not being as productive uh, as he's been in past years. Hunter Henry's on the field a lot. He's doing a great job blocking. He's opening up pathways for several tight ends, including one that, oh, Dallas Renegade from the XFL, Balky. There, there you go, Donald Parman out of Stetson University. Yeah. This is a player that will be drafted. This is a player that will be drafted next year. This kid has so many tools. When he gets Austin Eckler back, all those guys that dropped Austin Eckler, you know, and won't have him available for the final run over the last few weeks, they're going to be sad. You know, yes. Now, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's going to have a good game. He's not going to have a great game. He's got the Colts. If this was another interdivisional game like Cleveland and Bengals, it would be something different. But, uh, you know, he's uh, Lamar's coming in this game with something to prove. It's going to be impressive. But, hey, he's missing a guy named Ronnie Stanley. He's missing Tyree Phillips. 
uh, who, who I think, as far as the rushing aspect, as you remember Lamar shooting up the middle and running through uh, when when they when they uh, the pass rush is too much, he'll see, he'll get that quick step. He was usually behind Tyree Phillips, and Tyree Phillips is gone. There's some guys that are going to play. This is a good team. They've got some good linemen. There's some of their second linemen are better than some of the guys that are starting around the league. But at the end of the day, uh, Justin Herbert in a uh, sunshiny California throw-it-around ball game uh, versus Lamar Jackson in a very, very gritty uh, defensive battle. Justin Herbert's your guy. You know, as, as much as it pains me to say it, um, because I own Lamar Jackson in several leagues, and well, most of them dynasty leagues, but I, I think I, I would do the same thing. I, I think I'm going to go with Justin Herbert over Lamar Jackson this week. If I, you know, if, if it ends up being bad on me, it ends up being bad on me, but I'm going to use the best possible information I have at my disposal, including the big brain of Farrell Elliott from KFFSC.com, my co-host on the show. Farrell, good stuff from you. Certainly appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, and hanging out with me tonight, talking a little fantasy football. Uh, and enjoy week nine, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bill. Absolutely. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott. You follow the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at KFFSC. And uh, that is going to do it for our show tonight. I want to thank uh, so many people that helped make this possible tonight, including uh, Bill Wonky, who's got the uh, top 10 teams in both the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event tonight's guest. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for listening. Thank you so much. I want to remind you, Stephen Rannigan on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, rotoviz.com slash podcast, or anywhere where you get your podcast. It was a fun one this week. I always say that. Uh, but this one really was a fun one with Steve Rannigan, too. So check that out. We will be back next week, 10-9 Central, uh, coming up with uh, with Farrell and, of course, uh, another high-stakes fantasy owner that will join us on the show. Enjoy the rest of Week 9. The Niners and Packers got us off to a great start. Weekend, of course, starts. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. reminder everybody if you love the um dulcet tones of the music that we are featuring on the high stakes fantasy football hour the outro that you just heard from the band frederick the younger frederick the younger.com or uh wherever you get your music is where you can get more of those tracks as well as quiethollers.com the quiet hollers providing the intro music feral manages both those bands i have seen both of them live they are fantastic i hope your week nine turns out as fantastic uh, for you as uh, the music did turn out for us. And uh, great guest tonight, Bill Wonky. That was awesome. Good luck in your, um, in your weekend uh, matchups this week. Um, and I hope the ball bounces your way. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening.